0: Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth-Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and we are thrilled today to have a special guest, Crystal Magalette, with us. And I'd love to tell you first a little bit about her diverse background. She has done so many things and is currently involved in so many areas in our community. First of all, uh, Crystal is the CEO of FJ Management Inc, which is a diversified family business that includes wholly owned businesses, such subsidiaries such as Maverick and uh, Big West Oil. FJ Management also has a minority stake in Pilot Flying J. And then they have other family businesses such as TAB Bank, uh, which is a community bank, and Crystal Inn, which is a small chain of hotels. So in addition to her current board role as chairperson of the FJ Management Board, she's director on the Pilot Flying J Board of Managers, a director on Savage Service Board, and serves on the Utah State Board of Higher Education, Intermountain Healthcare Board, Salt Lake City, Utah Committee for the Games, and also the Zions Bank Advisory Board. Whew. She is an active and involved member uh, managing the family charitable giving through the FJ Management Impact Fund, which focuses mostly on education and scholarship, which I know is near and dear to her heart. Crystal also co-chairs the Intermountain Healthcare Primary Promise Campaign and is a member of the Sundance Institute and Utah Leadership Council. She holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from Pepperdine University, and also holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and has an honorary doctorate degree in business from Utah State University, as well as Weber State University. In 2018, she was named National EY Entrepreneur of the Year of Family Business, which is phenomenal. Most importantly, Crystal loves her role as a mother to her four children, ranging in ages from 20 to 26. And in her free time, she enjoys spending time with her family and friends And her favorite activities are running skiing and traveling so I am thrilled to welcome Crystal to the show today and thank you for being here so good to see you as well so in I've just given a huge background on all that you do clearly uh, a very active and busy member in our community but what is the color that I missed in that landscape tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and where you come from. You're a little bit more about your background.
1: So I came from a very small town. I grew up in Brigham City, Utah in the 60s. And my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, and he started a company called Flying J in 1968. Um, my parents divorced when I was 10. And my mom then became an entrepreneur as well. She had a diet center franchises. So I grew up around entrepreneurs and people that, you know, we had small businesses and my dad's business do, grew to be uh, very large um, by the time I was in my 20s. And I lived a very charmed life, I would say. I had one brother and um, just had a lot of fun in my life. Got to travel, I always thought I was so privileged because as a kid my dad was a pilot, we had a plane and we fly to California and stay in Motel 6 and go to Disneyland, that <laughs> was a big deal to me. Um, but I did just uh, grow up with a, in a great environment. I was very fortunate to get my education. Um, I was the first one in my family to get a college degree on my mom's side. Oh. Uh, which is a big deal, of course, so when I got a master's, that was even more of a big deal. Um, And it was pretty unusual in my family to do that. Wow. And I have lived in, um, obviously, I lived in California when I went to undergrad, and I lived back east um, a few years after I graduated from Harvard Business School. But other than that, I have lived in Utah and lived in Salt Lake for 28 years now. I've been back in Utah, so.
0: Two parents as entrepreneurs. Yes. That's so great. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that influence of being a risk taker and that optimism and that just drive to go after the unknown. Tell me about that influence on on you and your your family.
1: I think that um, my dad and my mom both influenced me in different ways. Mm -hmm. My dad was uh, quite strict. And he, and, but he was a very fair man, and so in his business dealings, he taught me that if a deal wasn't good unless both people uh, are better off after the deal is done, which was super important, um, and also to listen. He was a big listener. But my mom has always been so optimistic, and she got married very young. She got married two weeks after high school graduation. Oh, wow. And she was very ambitious. And she really, um, I would say, probably regretted a bit that she didn't complete any additional education. But it didn't stop her. So she was always very active in the community. When I was growing up, she won like Queen of Hearts for Heart Association. And then later on, she had this opportunity to uh, do Diet Center franchises in Texas, which she ended up having 35 of them. So she was clearly a mentor and example to me, especially, you know, in the 80s when women, she's now 80 years old, mm-hmm. almost, um, and going strong. And she has always been such an inspiration to me and a model. And I do really believe that she, she had me believe anything was possible. And I lived in a home where my parents really didn't, they, I don't ever remember them being negative towards me or telling me I couldn't do something. They were always very positive and encouraging. They didn't really, they didn't necessarily care about grades and things like that, like, but I did. For some reason as a kid, I cared. And I understood at a very young age that I needed to do well. And so I always tried to excel in school because I always believed if I did that, I would have any doors open that I wanted to have open. And I didn't want to limit myself. So somehow mm-hmm. I learned that a little bit on my own because my parents were more um, learn as you do it than, than get an education. They weren't against it, but they, they just had not done it themselves.
0: Sure, sure. And that's still that, that nature and nurture combo, right, and instilling a, a sense of achievement at whatever you do. This, yeah. It sounds like this. what's coming through to me is a lot of heavy work ethic a lot of integrity and that makes sense now why you put so much interest and effort in educational um, boards that you serve on and scholarships um, that value and you talking about your you being the first in your mom's side with a degree. So compelling, I love that, how that kind of all wraps together.
1: Yeah, and now, I mean, I all four of my kids um, as of the end of this year, three of which are girls, Mm -hmm. will have college degrees. Oh, what are their degrees going to be in? So our son, Drew, who's the oldest, Mm -hmm. graduated in political science, Mm -hmm. and he is working uh, for WellQuest, which is one of our companies doing affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next daughter, who is 24, graduated from USC, and she's doing consulting locally here for Cicero. Uh And the twins that just turned 21, are in, They're going to Notre Dame they graduate one in neuroscience and one in political science and with a minor in real estate.
0: Wow so, Wow, and they are
1: amazing kids. I'm very very lucky.
0: Well, I know two of them a little bit um, From our kids going to school together, and that's definitely <laughs> they're, that, They are they're amazing kids an amazing family Well one more thing that I wanted to talk about is how you transitioned you and I spoke a little bit earlier about your transition of serving on the board, but you had beyond that, you hadn't been heavily involved in your dad's company, and how that transitioned to you. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about so that story. So all
1: up just a little bit because yeah. after I got my education, um, in my late twenties, uh, that's when I came back to Utah and and I got married, and I came back to Utah to do to open hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, all at the same time, my dad offered me an opportunity to open the Crystal Inn in downtown Salt Lake, and I happened to literally meet my husband at a wedding the very weekend that my dad did that. Mm-hmm. So I moved back to Utah, and my husband and I, over a roughly ten-year period of time, had four kids and opened fourteen <laughs>
0: hotels or managed
1: fourteen <laughs> hotels. You're
0: gonna do it big. So do it that's big. right.
1: Um, when I had the twins, I suddenly had four kids, five and under. And I backed off a bit from my career. Um, I still was involved at Chrysler, but I wasn't day-to-day. And what I was doing during that eight years, I had been put on the board for Flying J when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I'm in my mid-30s. And I would go to Flying J meetings once a month where all the managers would stand up from the many different divisions and talk about what they were doing. And then I was still on the board. So I had a pretty good understanding of what was going on at Flying mm-hmm. J. In 2003, um, my dad passed away in an airplane crash. But even at that point, my dad had not been running the company for about probably roughly 10 years, 7 to 10 years. And he had another gentleman that was president. Um, And so until from 2003 to 2008, I would meet with that president. I kind of felt like that was an important thing to do. Um, And in 2008, when Flying J went into bankruptcy, within three weeks, I did become CEO. And it was kind of all those steps really beginning with my education, the experience I got starting the Crystal Inn, serving on the board of Flying J, attending the monthly meetings that gave me the confidence I needed to be willing to step into that role. Because it took some
0: confidence. Oh my gosh, and right? Um, the
1: company was the 15th largest private company in the country at that time, and we had about 11,000 employees. We were 20 billion in sales. So it was not a small undertaking to step in as CEO of a company like that.
0: I don't even know how to wrap my head around where to to begin to unpack that, just such um, respect for the grit that you had. I think about what you spoke about your, I'm glad we started with kind of how you grew up and what your parents were like and those life lessons that were taught. Right. Do you think that, um, is there, is there some a couple of points that your mom or dad definitely drove home to you that they said um, that really impacted you stepping into that role. Is there, is there is it is there are there values? Were there life lessons? Something that really helped you with that transition to such a huge undertaking?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a really simple answer for me. I really believe my dad had strong integrity, mm-hmm. and I could not imagine. If he was alive that he would not want to pay people back Mm. and keep jobs for his employees and that was a hundred percent my motivation is I just knew who my dad was and it would it would have broken his heart had he been alive I believe to not do everything he could to do that and he wasn't here so I was a stockholder in the second generation and I believed I really needed to do my very best to make that happen
0: Wow and how old were your kids about that time?
1: They were 8 to 13.
0: My goodness. So how Which did you was... approach that, the next phase of this?
1: Well, for the next year and a half, until we exited bankruptcy, I was on the road a lot. Yeah. And I was working a lot. And luckily, I had a great partner in my husband. And mm-hmm. I, had, I had had help um, with the kids all along. So luckily, they were used to having help. But they weren't used to be, me being gone as much. But I really did have to just focus on that for the most part. I would try to be home on the weekends, Mm -hmm. but um, I had to dive in. I was behind, right? I had to really be, there were so many different people, creditors, um, you know, other management that needed direction. I mean, it was crazy. It was like drinking from a fire hose, for sure, to go through that year and a half. Um, But we exited, and we paid everybody Mm -hmm. back. And we mostly saved most of the jobs out of 11000 Um, around 200 people lost their jobs, so Mm -hmm. I kind of counted that as a win. Of course I feel very badly about the 200, but I think overall given our situation, Mm -hmm. and then you know since then it's like close to 10 years, and it's been an amazing ride, and our companies have excelled, and we bought Maverick, and we've built an investment portfolio that's pretty sizable, and we've diversified into healthcare. so it's been you know it's been a journey for sure Mm -hmm. but it's been very fun because had I not had that happen I probably would have gone on not being so involved in a career and I never had an understanding what an important part of me Mm -hmm. having a career was. I never understood even though during that eight years when I was raising the kids and doing a little involved in businesses I always thought I should feel so lucky because I still have some outside business interests but I get to raise the kids and kind of be a stay at home mom. But I, there's something missing for Mm -hmm. me personally. And when I went back and dove in, I loved it. And Mm -hmm. people say all the time that had to be horrible. And I'm like, yes, it was, but it was so stimulating for me. And it taught me that personally I needed to probably have a career and I needed to figure out how to be a mom Mm -hmm. and raise great kids. And have a career. I needed to figure that out because I was going to be the best person if I did that.
0: Right. That it sounds like the adrenaline and diving into the work. Um, I have felt that when it feeds my my soul, it right. my intellect, and um, I can get carried away with work for sure. But I think that there can be a really healthy balance. I love that my boys saw my drive. I love that they saw uh, me in a leadership role, that they saw work ethic. And I, I think it made me a better mom, that I was more present when I was really, really present with them. Did you find that similar?
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I really um, believe that it, it it has helped my our kids be more independent. Mm. and. You know, maybe that's a justification, but I I really do believe, I I remember very well dropping my daughter off at USC and they had all these events for the parents and they were things like security on campus and how you get health care. And I commented to my daughter and I said, you know, I don't get why they're having me do all these classes. Like, you're the one that's going to be here and I as a parent don't need to know this stuff. You need to do this, you're, you know, And, and I said to her, I think you're going to see a lot of kids go off the rails, because if this is the level that their parents have to know this stuff, then they have had a mm. lot of helicoptering, you know? Yeah. And she called me like a month later, and she says, Mom, I don't get it, you know? All these kids just want to party and have fun, <laughs> and I'm trying to study, and I just thought it was very interesting, because I do believe that they had to become much more independent and self-sufficient. I mean, I did the best I could. and made sure they had rides and sure, lunches sure. and all that kind of thing but and they were all very active in sports and school and it was crazy at our house but um, but in the end I didn't pick them up from school every day. Mm-hmm. I was hopefully there at the important things to them. I asked them to tell me if something was important but I'm sure I didn't hit every single one of them but um, I'm extremely proud of the individuals they are because they are individuals mm-hmm. and they whatever they earn they've earned themselves. By their hard work,
0: mm. and no woman, no mother can be there for everything. It doesn't matter if you know That's you're working right. an eighty-hour work week or you're a stay-at-home mom. We just we can only do the best we can. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What do you think your kids, when they look at you, what what are three words you think they they might use to describe you?
1: I think i would say energetic, um, kind, mm. and. I'm definitely driven, which is sort of energetic, it's sort of part of that. Um, I hope they'd say confident. That's what I'd like them to see the most. Yeah. I'd like them to see that I have confidence.
0: Where do you think you gained that confidence as a woman?
1: I think I gained the confidence because I saw it in my mom. And I also think, and I wasn't always that way. I mean, high school, like for a lot of people, High school was not fun. I moved as a junior in high school from Rexburg, Idaho to Bountiful, Utah. And I was a country girl and, and, you know, with braces and high hair and, you know, and it it was bad. You went to my high
0: school then. Yeah. (laughs) Did you go to Bountiful? I did. I went to Woods Cross. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, I really wasn't always so confident. But I did, I was willing to try things, and I always wanted to be, as I mentioned earlier, I always wanted to be the best I could, and of course along the way I failed, and I learned here and there, I'd fail, and I learned that you could recover from that. And so mm. I didn't let it impact my confidence, it, it almost made me more confident, because was like, you know what, I didn't do exactly perfect, but I dusted myself off and I, I'm okay. So it's going to, I'm going to be okay. So um, I do believe that those sorts of things in life help us to gain confidence. But but if you're never willing to try because you're worried you're gonna fail, then sometimes it's hard to gain confidence because you're just always so worried that you're not gonna succeed. And we all fail, you know, we all fail. We have to be resilient and be able to dust ourselves off and
0: move on. That tenacity, as you've talked about, kind of your pattern, or not pattern, but your the phases of your life and um, just this constant integral work ethic, this, this tenacity to overcome or to, to learn and see it as, as an optimistic opportunity is just so impressive to me. It really is. It's so rare. I just don't, I don't, and I don't say, I don't think it's just about that we don't see it in kids today. I, I don't see it even in a lot of people in our generation. It's just so remarkable. It just really blows me well, away. Thank
1: you. You're so kind. I
0: mean it. It's it's so really nice. neat. One of the things we've talked about is you're a very forward-looking person, and really enjoy that. What if, or I wonder what it would be like, or um, when you look forward, what are some dreams or some some big things that that you're hoping may come your way?
1: Well, we have built a very large company at this mm-hmm. point and we have more wealth than our small family could ever need. Mm-hmm. So my goal really for the next phase of my life is I want to figure out how to keep that enterprise running mm-hmm. and give back at the same time. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I don't want to sell our company for instance and and then have passive investments and have a foundation. and give things away. I want to continue to have employees Mm -hmm. to have our family helping families that way as well as have it be a well-oiled machine that can keep funding foundations for a long, long time for generations. That's what I want to do next. That's what I'm working on now. That's right. How many employees do you have? We have 8,000 employees. Most of them would be under my husband that runs Maverick. He's CEO of Maverick. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that, when we came out of bankruptcy, we went, you know, from 11,000, because we became a minority mm-hmm. owner in Pilot Flying J, mm-hmm. to 1,000. Mm-hmm. So now we're at 8,000. Um, so we have, you know, we've we've had an amazing run the last 10 years. We've grown a ton. How
0: many states are you in?
1: We're in 13 states. 13.
0: Yeah. I know that the employees, when you and I've spoken um, on other occasions, what's come through to me is... Um, this very authentic interest you have in the people that work in in Maverick specifically and the employment opportunities for them and the future of their children academically and it has always struck me you know you have you are positioned in a place in your life that you wouldn't not very many people I would think would extend themselves to such an authentic level that you're financially comfortable, your children are educated and you could be, you know, off in the Caribbean, you know, 300 days a year, but your commitment to those employees has just been amazing to me. And do you think that's something that you that you learned from your husband, learned from your parents, something intuitive, something you saw from maybe someone you admired in the community, where do you think that it's came from? It's definitely my
1: father, mm-hmm. because he always talked about how important employees were, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and and then just seeing it, you know, I mean, the Crystalline employees, as well as the mm-hmm. Maverick employees, all of mm-hmm. our hourly employees across our company, really, you know, I just, I, I want more for them, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, and there's one thing you can pay them more, which is one thing, but then there's a lot of room for them to have opportunities for education or have their kids have opportunities for education and and i just hope and it's not easy it's not an easy thing but um i just hope that in some way even by example or you know the things we have a pay for grades where we pay for a's for our employees kids from fifth grade to to grad you know to seniors and we have scholarship programs and we, we are trying to start a tutoring program um, where we provide tutoring for kids that need it through Sylvan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're always trying things, right? And But our employees are near and dear to my heart, for sure, definitely.
0: Well, is there anything today, I mean, I could talk with you for 48 hours straight. I have <laughs> so son. many, I love just <laughs> listening to you. Um, but is there anything today that, uh, that you um, would like to share that I haven't thought of that would have to do um, with any your business or your family, your immediate family, your parents, any final thoughts for us?
1: You know, I'm not exactly sure of who will be listening to this, Mm -hmm. and I did mention it, but I do feel extremely strong that self-confidence is one of the most important parts Mm -hmm. of anyone's life. If you don't have it, it's really hard to succeed. And even though we did touch on that, I just, that would be something that to me would be applicable to anyone listening mm-hmm. to this. And then secondly, honesty right now mm. and integrity in our world, it's going away. Right. <laughs> and you know, how do we how do we keep that? That's fundamentally so so important to how we all interact with each other and where we find our country right now. Mm-hmm. It's so sad to me because that does not seem to be an important value. To have integrity and honesty and I I I don't know where that leads it makes me sad so I would just want to say to people hold on to your integrity
0: I think that you're such um, a role model for so many young women and other women that are going to hear the podcast for sure as you talk about both self-confidence honesty and integrity what was um, the juxtaposition that maybe I was thinking through is she's so humble though at the same time. You're so unpretentious and so humble and to be honest and integral and admit when I've made a mistake, when I have misspoken, um, is I think such a good lesson that you're leaving me with and I think that you have also imparted to me that my confidence gaining self-confidence can grow even stronger when I freely and openly admit um, that I don't know it all. Right. You can gain confidence by being like wow I actually don't need to be top dog or to know everything and that's part of the beauty of how uh, Crystal Magalette is all wrapped together. And
1: it's something that else is super important around Mm self-confidence. To me I separate Self confidence, sometimes from ego. Mm-hmm. And I hate ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People that are just boastful mm-hmm. and aren't humble, it doesn't end well a lot of times. <laughs> it and doesn't I've, end seen, well. <laughs> I've seen examples of that. Mm. I mean, I just don't like that sort of model. People that are, I would say, boastful, right? Yeah. And it just, it's not good.
0: It's not good.
1: (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's just, it's not a good style of leadership and it's not enduring Mm -hmm. as far as a leader. It might be okay for Mm -hmm. a minute, but some way, some, you know, it's just not a good good look.
0: Yeah, I think that's well said actually. (laughs) And it's not enduring. Well, I would like to thank you so much for spending time with me this morning. I learned a lot and help me kind of think about getting my priorities in order. You're an amazing leader in our community. I don't know what Utah would be without you and your family. And the way that you give so much of yourself, I worry about you taking care of yourself, but please know that community members are incredibly grateful for your the volunteer time you do, the knowledge that you share with all the boards, the financial investments that you make in um, philanthropy, as well as your employees. So,
1: thank you so much, Erin. you so pleasure. nice to have me, and I, I'm really glad that it was meaningful to you. And I hope it's meaningful to others. Great, thank you.
0: Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at WomenWhoSucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.